straight efficiency with Nackfee's Mike Rosen friends. In episode 82, we're joined by Ari Khan. He's manager carbon-free transportation at RMI, where we talk about his views on the opportunities for zero emission trucks, the differences in electrifying various classes of trucks, and the importance of getting the utility and transportation systems to work together. He also shares what he is most excited about when it comes to the truck electrification and what he sees as big challenges that need to be overcome. This is a good one, folks. Today we have joining us Ari Khan. He's a manager in the Carbon-Free Transportation Group at RMI, of which I'm kind of a part of too, and I'm sure we'll get into that. Excited to have you on today, Ari. Happy to be here, Mike. You know, we called this a freight efficiency with NACV's Mike Roth and friends, and over 80 times I've asked my guest, you know, do you remember how we became friends? So um, uh, do you remember, Ari? Uh, you know, it's just been a continuous experience working, working with you over a year or so. I got to say, um, having you welcome me, welcome me into the NACV fold when I was a month into my job at RMI during ACT, making sure I was sort of included. So I would say that is when we became friends. Yeah. And when you think about when we met, I read your resume and looked you up on LinkedIn before I'd ever met you. So I know Dave Mullaney and I were working on hiring and uh, and you jumped out at us on paper. And then um, I don't think, I can't remember if I interviewed you over the phone or not. Of course, that was in the middle of COVID, I'm sure. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, it's been, uh, it's great to get to know you and you bring uh, a lot of experience that we're going to get to um, here in a minute. Let's start with you telling us about your role today at RMI um, and how you view the opportunity right now for um, you know zero emission trucks or even just simply battery electric trucks. I joined RMI a year and a half ago to join the freight carbon-free transportation team. That was exciting for me because though I've been in electric vehicles for about 12 years, it's mostly been on the light duty side and the 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 rate of change this this light duty is still obviously changing rapidly but the path i think is clear and i that felt less true to me for trucking partly because it was new to me and then also partly because electric the electric drivetrain is newer for for that sector so i joined a year and a half ago to and I was excited about it. And my role is to help increase the adoption of zero emission trucks. Now, I don't want to be like the um, you know, the the person who loses their keys and and looks under the light pole for them because that's where the light's best. But I'm you know very <laughs> bullish on on the electric drivetrain, which has sort of succeeded, is succeeding in light duty, also succeeding in medium and heavy. Yeah, and you know we talk about this all the time that uh, I, I've I've stopped everybody lately when they say medium and heavy trucks. I'm like, okay, we'll wait, um, because medium usually it context goes all the way down to class three, and there's so much differences between a class three, you know, e-transit or or a van and a uh, class eight uh, Peterbilt, right? So um, you know we've been working hard to kind of start the conversations. All right, are we talking about, you know, urban, small vans, step vans, medium duty box trucks? Are we talking about, you know, heavy long haul or, you know, some of these regional haul return to base, which less miles, blah, blah, blah. So um, is that part of, of what you're, what you're noticing? And um, is that make it, you know, with smaller numbers than passenger car? I mean, just kind of how would you continue to compare and contrast light duty with medium and heavy? 
Okay. Well, Mike, I would be really interested to hear you distinguish in that sort of medium and heavy space. But I, I will say that, you know, a major difference. So I'll just step, take another step back and say, you know, my my history working on electric vehicles has been <clears throat> working for the city of New York and then uh, then a, a small startup and then Con Edison, which is New York's utility. So I tend to sort of view them electric first, you know, from the electricity and energy side first, uh, and then on the transportation side. And and I think probably <clears throat> you have to do it equally. You have to be a switch hitter, think about those things 50-50. But nevertheless, that's sort of my background. So when I think of the difference, the spectrum of medium and heavy duty, I think about a transit connect that I, I think of the run on less. I think about us visiting the Frito-Lay facility and those transit connects that are kind of like cars, at least from an electric perspective, and also a little bit from the, the drivetrain perspective and drivetrain and battery perspective. Uh, they're they're pretty small. They charge every couple of days and they can charge on the same type of charger that you might have in your garage, an L2. So those are kind of more akin to, to a car than... But of course, also in the run were some big heavy duty trucks that were charging, that were not drawing the same amount of energy as a car. They were drawing the same amount of energy as a skyscraper. And so that is how I try to sort of capture the incredible range in the medium and heavy duty space. I, I think that's really good. And, you know, when you think about the yin yang that we have to do here, I mean, we're, we're, um, we're joining up. Uh, two big industries, the, you know, electricity grid and, and logistics and trucking. And, um, you know, it's, uh, we need uh, people collaborating at all levels and in all companies that can get both of that. So um, before we get any farther, what makes you tick? You know, when you think about sort of your, um, your goals professionally, and then, um, you know, kind of who you are and, and what, what makes up Ari Khan, um, well, you tell us a little about yourself and how that fits into your, into your work. I am by nature a, a techno-optimist, right? So I want to have a clean environment and also the newest iPhone. And so that's obviously, that made electric vehicles uh, very appealing because you were getting amazing technology through efficiency and human ingenuity and also creating a better environment. So I, I think that is why I was very lucky uh, coming out of business school to get a job with the city, creating their electric vehicle policy. And I've stuck with the industry because it really, it, it checks a lot of boxes for me. Yeah, and I think a lot about um, the future, you know, an engineer. And so I think I am sort of a, a, a product, um, you know, and I've become like a real student of the F curve, the adoption curve. You know, mm -hmm. why do people buy things early? You know, there's sometimes they don't even care what it costs, right? They just want to, you know, they're just very, uh, interested in the new technology and then you know that that's part of the innovators and then they got these early adopters that you know that they think okay well this will be good for me but they still don't really you know care so much about the the, the cost of it or uh, how it's going to really better their lives but they do want it you know they 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 they're hopeful about it and they um they want to experience it so they get into it and then you get into the to the real hardcore adopters. And that's uh, what they call the early majority and later majority. And then it ends with a laggard. So I think where you and I work together well, as, as we, you know, we, we um, are interested in these, but we really want to understand what's the value they're bringing, not only the, the, like, 
the deep dollars and cents for businesses, but also the the value. And I think these electric trucks, for me, have have checked a lot of boxes. Um, you know, they're they're cleaner. They're also you know fun to operate, and and I think we're going to see uh, you know technicians and mechanics enjoying it and so forth. But let me step back to something I I just brought up a few minutes ago, and maybe you can help as much as anybody. I mean, we do have the electric grid uh, uh, or electricity, right? So, you know, there's the generation, transmission, distribution, or, or whatever the right terms are there of electricity, you know, and that that got us to homes and businesses and was really part of an industrial revolution. And then things like air conditioning and, and other things caused increase in electricity demand. But electricity and that whole system, I, mean, I think it's been called the greatest system in history or something like that. And then we've got the logistics system. And so I know pretty well in North America with trucks and freight and warehouses. And, you know, now we've got things like e-commerce replacing box stores and, and manufacturing has gone from, you know, milk runs to different sort of logistics needs. Um, but really those two major things were pretty independent. I mean, warehouses might needed some electricity, et cetera, but, but now with electrifying these trucks, we're, we need these two very complex, possibly mature uh, systems to now be integrated. And I tell you, I wake up some mornings thinking, what the hell are we doing? You know, that just looks like almost impossible or incredibly daunting. Um, but we have to do that, I think. Um, and that's that's what we're going to do. Uh, how, would you, how would you comment on that? First of all, am I right there? And then maybe what are two or three or four things that are going to help us navigate this as we really get into it? The idea of the electric system being the greatest system ever invented or, or, I don't know, I guess ever implemented or realized, you know, that makes a lot of sense to me. I I really remember, I remember reading about Lyndon Johnson as a congressperson and how one of his greatest, he, he was forged as a, as a legislator by bringing electricity to his, to his Texas district during the depression. And it, it changed lives. The, the, you know, the the area before electricity, you know, there was something called the sad iron, right? And basically people ironing their clothes once a week to, you know, for church was just a grueling affair. Took hours and, you know, caused and, and caused, you know, caused people to age before their time. Just something as simple as ironing. And, you know, of course, electricity just eliminated that. So the Electricity's capacity to have improved people's lives is is um, I don't know awe inspiring. I had a I had a former boss at at the utility who was motivated every day by the idea that like electricity is life, and you know I I I saw his point. I, I understood it. So I agree that electricity is this incredibly important and. Um, I don't know, a uh, profound system. And we lose it during a storm, you know, here in the Midwest, you know, we'll have thunderstorms and tornadoes and, you know, other times we've got brownouts in different places or, or uh, fires. When we lose it uh, now, like the internet, of course, the internet's tied to electricity for a lot of the points um, here, but um, when we lose it, it's a big deal very quickly. So yeah, I, you know, that's another measure of how um, important um, the whole electricity system is. And as we now put it onto cars and, and transportation, that feels like 
I guess daunting is the word that I come up with. Yeah. All right. So I heard from some some interesting folks. Uh, I'll, I'll name drop FedEx and, and Prologis yesterday. Uh, they were on a on a panel and they they sort of brought up two points that I thought were sort of um, a challenge. That were a challenge uh, and then also a caution. So the challenge was we have to think about these systems together. Right. Um, we have to recognize that one truck, you know, one one one, let's say, regional truck or long haul truck, knock on wood, with a giant battery is also not only, you know, potentially sort of this this V to G asset, but it's also an asset where you could charge your other you could, you know, top off your other vehicles in a lot. So we have to think about the vehicles being energy for each other. Uh, which was not something I had thought about before, uh, and it it shows you like it's a it's a totally new multi-variable system, and then of course like the caution is as you I was actually talking to a a, re, a a regulator a commissioner, and they were saying you know we are getting a lot of customer complaints from customer complaints from people who've gone all in on electric. Because suddenly grid reliability has become becomes more important for them because it's not only the electricity for their lights and their fridge, but now it's the electricity for their stove and their car and their geothermal heating. Um, so and though and look, I've actually seen that in in, in real life. I I, I um, persuaded or my in laws humored me and have gone all in, and they have two electric cars and a geothermal. Um, and they have uh, geothermal heating, but now they're worried about when there's a, a blackout, if their pipes are going to freeze and, you know, and you have to consider resiliency. So I think that the, the promise and the high stakes go up as you go all in on a certain, yeah. on a certain energy. Yeah. And then I think, uh, you know, the other side of the coin, you quickly look at it and you go, well, wait a minute, though. Now that offers me opportunities because now I can, uh, you know, to some of the things you just said, um, as well as and we're seeing this with some of these early electric truck depots where they're like, all right, yeah, I only have 250 mile range, not um, a thousand mile range if I fill up the fuel tanks. But let's just that's what I got. And so let's figure it out. Right. I mean, trucking is uh you know uh, you know no, failure is not an option in trucking right i mean we got to get the milk and the and the clothing and everything to the stores and if we don't do that you know we we just don't we just don't don't do that <laughs> so uh so so you know the the rules have changed um we have different tools to do the job and um and then we figure it out and i think by linking these systems it actually opens up some opportunities too uh, yeah right on i don't and i don't think What's nice is we don't have to sort of be perfect, you know, we don't have to be perfect immediately. We're we're just gonna sort of keep and and you had mentioned the S curve earlier. I think we're seeing the S curve in action. You've introduced me to a lot of fleets that are part of NACVI, and we see how they're just slowly getting better at every aspect of running their zero emission trucks. And you know, they're putting in brain power and trying something and uh, and if it works great and if it doesn't, they try something else. And I think that that's absolutely going to be true of the integration between the grid and the vehicles. Um, Somebody is going to try charging, um, you know, having their their big regional truck uh, be a, a, a partial source of energy for their smaller vehicles. And if it works, it's going to it's going to catch on. Yeah. So I think that this whole thing of like, you know, 
if you're taking a trip from Indiana to California, you know, the first thing to do is figure out how to drive to the airport. Um, then you got to worry about getting on your plane. Then you got to worry about this, but don't, don't worry about, you know, what's going on in the California streets right now, you know, do that when you get there. And I know that might be a simple, silly analogy, but you know, for right now, let's figure out how to do those Queens Frito-Lay like locations. Um, that'll help us with how we route these trucks around depots, how we, um, figure out, do we do one charger per truck or two or three? Uh, and you know, how do we pull in back out? You know, there's all these things that we have to figure out that we can start to learn in these smaller trucks with these simpler deployments that will lead us to the, to the longer one, to the bigger ones. And the, and, and the, the sort of the challenge there is we save the exhaust and fuel and, and, uh, uh money, you know, on the, on the long haul, bigger trucks, but let's just, uh, you know, kind of move one step at a time. So, Mike, you just brought up this idea of the, you know, the fleet sort of learning by doing and and sort of bringing some of these, sort of, you know, tools and, and knowledge to the table in terms of routing, et cetera. I'm curious, who do you think, what type of fleet do you think is going to be the sort of the most successful uh, in this transition? So I think, you know, it's a great question. And I think um, what we're seeing in early adopters and and why they're early adopters are those that already are responsible for the fueling as well as the truck operations. So in return to base trucking, whether that's a uh, you know an e-commerce bunch of uh, vans going out and deliver to homes, or whether it's um, you know large trucks that uh, uh, go out and maybe drive 250 miles and and um, deliver their freight and come back home, but these return to base companies, you know, they've considered and many put in place fueling on site because it just helps the drivers. They don't have to drop at truck stops or public stations. So they have fuel lanes with, that, that um, for diesel now. So if you're already in the business of fueling your trucks on at your site, you know this is not so foreign to go in and put in um, electric charging stations at those depots. Um, and you know really many of these companies have considered or done that with natural gas. Um, you know, they've looked at that and put, you know, natural gas fueling at some of these sites. So that's where um, I think this is not as odd, right? And, the, and the, the routes are predictable. They're already working, you know, many of them by day cab. So, um, you know, a, a small portion of those routes and drivers might sleep in hotels, but most of them are getting back. So they already have some of the operational changes that are needed for um, electric trucking um, already in their kit bag. And so I think that's where it'll start. Um, and then, you know, they'll expand from there when they think, okay, well, maybe I uh, can't get all the way back to base and I need a charge. Um, where can, am I going to find that, you know, charging as a service uh, hubs uh, will start to emerge that will, um, that will support them in that. But that's how I see it going. Think about this a little bit, but what, what are your um, like? What are you most excited about with um, electric trucks in North America? Uh, let, let's just let's just confine it to battery electric trucks, and um, you know, think about an answer that that maybe isn't obvious to a lot of us. I think that electric trucks are going to they have a profound impact on our air quality, and people are using them in creative ways and the i think that you are right that a that initially sort of the the simplest routes are going to be the ones that convert but then people are going to convert routes that we didn't think were possible and 
we're going to just try and people are going to try charging at their stops or en route for opportunity instead of going back to their depot for that uh, that quick midday top up. So I am really excited about the electric trucks, the, the development and the kind of interesting business strategies and operational strategies people try. And the the payoff is going to be that we're going to have a technology that as battery costs decline and we figure out how to use off-peak, you know, cheap off-peak power, it's going to be a technology that's sort of like cheaper and just obviously better. And we're going to look at the transition from diesel to electric in the same way that we looked at the transition from steam to, to oil. That's my that is my that is my greatest hope. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's very good. Um, and then what might be a few bumps in the road along the way that um, maybe we don't understand right now, but um, either something that that we um, you know we've seen as a challenge, but we think it's not as big and it's actually going to be bigger, or maybe there's something out there that comes to mind for you that um, you know we're not paying a whole lot of attention to that'll be um, a constraint or a challenge or something that slows us down. What any any ideas there? Well, look, I'm a big market forces guy, and I think that sort of um, business innovation and competition is is good. Uh, but I'm also impatient, and I'm a little worried about how much the truck, the vehicles cost right now. So we've seen on the 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 smaller end, the vans, the prices have gotten gotten good. Um, sometimes they're n- not only lower total cost of ownership, they're lower upfront cost. Uh, so that makes me hopeful, but I'm also a little nervous because on the heavy, on the sort of bigger side. We haven't seen the the costs drop to where we need them to be, right? Um, I don't have I don't I don't have any novel. That's not a novel observation. Also, not novel is the fact that uh, we have to do a lot of grid construction. Uh, you know, Rick Rick is not always an optimist, but he makes me kind of hopeful, or at least he um, forces me to be optimistic about this kind of tech change uh, or industrial change when we talk about building out the grid for um you know for all the new truck electrification we need to do because he says hey hey we built the highway system you know we built the grid in the first place we can do this again but we haven't done those during my lifetime so i you know i i want i i remain a little bit nervous about us yeah. being able to do the civil work uh to to unlock these vehicles potentially I really enjoyed this conversation. Thanks for being on the podcast. It's been uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Mike. Freight efficiency with Nackfee's Mike Roth and friends.